Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So this month, through our special offering, we are supporting a ministry called Palmer Home for Children. It is outside of Hernando, Mississippi. And the goal of Palmer Home is to come alongside children in need and to help them in the name of Christ. Children who may not have parents, children who are orphans, children who have been removed from homes by the state because of very difficult situations, children that have no place to go. This is what this wonderful ministry does to the glory of God. Now, I have mentioned to you before that I grew up in a community that had a ministry very similar to Palmer Home called the Big Oak Ranch, and they owned the school that I attended, a private Christian school. And so many of my friends in junior high and high school lived at the Big Oak Ranch, and I'm still friends with some of them to this day. And one of the things that the ranch does is that they are utilizing the power of social media to get their message out and to raise support. And so recently they have been interviewing young men and young women who have grown up at the ranch to tell their story. So the other day I was scrolling on Facebook and noticed one of my friends, a guy that I played football with in high school, a a young man at the time that came to my house, since lost touch. And I was excited to see this video and hear what he had to say. And he introduced his wife and he introduced his own children and he talked about the difficult situation that he emerged from in order to go live at the ranch. It was actually far worse than what he said on the video because I know his story. And then he began to talk about what it was like to discover the rich blessings of being in a Christian family. And he talked about what it was like to pray and to have a house mother and a house father who loved him unconditionally, who cared for him, and who pointed him to Scripture. He talked about coming to faith in Christ at the ranch. And as you listen to him, as you watch the video, you could see the love that it was in his heart for his ranch family, for his house parents, for his brothers that he lived with. Because he came from nothing. And he received everything. And this morning, we've come to this text in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And... It is, for the most part, about widows. But I think if we take a step back and we understand what Paul is trying to communicate, he is telling us that the church family is something significant. That belonging to a church, having brothers and sisters in Christ, is amazing. And it's a possibility, it's a reality because your Savior, your Messiah, your Redeemer has given His life for you. You have union with Him and because of His sacrifice He has brought you into the family of God. A family that this side of heaven is not perfect. 
but one day will be. And so I want us to talk about three things involving the church family. But before we do, I want to walk through our text and I want you to see some important things that Paul is trying to say. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to zoom in verse by verse and then we're going to zoom out. I think that will help you understand this passage that truthfully as I wrestled with it this week is a bit challenging. Now there's something that you need to understand before we begin. Widows in the ancient Middle East lived a very different life in many regards than they do in North America. Now, it can be that way in other parts of the world. But often when we come to a text, we see it through the lens of the day and age and culture in which we live. And we have to remember that Paul is writing nearly 2,000 years ago to the church, to people that have become Christians People who are loving others well, and as a result, people are flocking to Jesus. And as they come, widows are arriving. It was a difficult time and a difficult place for them. There was no such things as pensions, or social security, or life insurance, or savings. And women in this culture, by and large, didn't work outside of the home. So the family structure, first and foremost, was the main way in which widows were cared for, loved, and protected. And so I think that provides us some context as we engage these verses. So let's, let's begin with verse 1 and 2. Now, right off the bat... This is pastoral advice that Paul has for Timothy, his young protege in the faith. And he is reminding Timothy, as he's given him all of these exhortations in the first four chapters, that he needs to be conscious of his tone with older men and how he treats younger men and how he relates to and pastors women. A good word for all pastors, a good reminder for me. A good word, a good reminder for the men who are going through elder training in this church. But it's also an important word for us because as I said in the very beginning, we are a church family. We belong to Christ. We are brothers and sisters united in Him. And so we should think about our tone, our words our actions, our temperament with each other. Now, one of the things that you do not do as a pastor is share sermon illustrations about your wife. It is a no-no. It is probably the number one rule in terms of preaching. But since mine is in the nursery this morning, fair game, right? So in our home, I use cute names nicknames for my children. I've used typically the same one or two their entire life. Vicky, on the other hand, has this unusual talent and this unique ability to call John Hunter and to call Avery something nonsensical but very sweet and different every single time she sees them. 
I don't know how she does it. Avery walks through the room and she'll take two things that make no sense, bring them together, and apply it to her. So here's an example. Pumpkin needle. Yes, she has called her pumpkin needle. I don't know what that is. There is no such thing on planet Earth as a pumpkin needle. But you know what? It's really cute. It's really sweet. And it's funny. And she has so many for John Hunter. And they don't make sense. They leave you scratching your head. But it is cute. And I love it. Do you know why? Because it communicates a tone within our family that we want to have fun and we want to be sweet and that we, we love each other. And that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. We should love each other. Our tone should communicate. We are people who have been turned upside down by the radical love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like? Like how do we, how do we have guidance in this area? How do we speak to one another in the context of Trinity Church as those who belong to the Lord? Well, I think all we have to do is go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit. What should our words sound like? Not only within our homes, but within the church family. Well, our words should be loving. They should be joyful. They should be peaceful. We should be patient. Our words should be filled with patience as we minister to each other, as we walk alongside each other, as we help each other. Our words should be kind. They should be good. They should speak of God's faithfulness. In other words, they should be encouraging. They should be gentle. And finally, our words, our family language, should exhibit self-control. Good reminder as we do life together, as we do ministry together. Verses 3 through 8, Paul dives in regarding widows in the church. And so apparently from the text and from other passages that we see in the New Testament, including Acts, that there were a significant number of people in the church who were widows. Now I think that has everything to do with how the church was turning the world upside down. Roman civilization was hard. And here comes a group of people who sacrificially are willing to love the unlovely, those who don't have power, those who don't have authority, those who don't have wealth. The church was making a difference in the culture in which they lived. And so we see a great number of widows among the early church. And so Paul says right off the bat that we need to honor them. There is a significance in terms of caring for widows. And we have seen this throughout the Old Testament, particularly Psalm 68.5. Hear what the New International Version says. Our God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He is God in His holy dwelling. God has a special place in His heart for widows and for orphans. The vulnerable. God cares. And as a result, His church should care. 
that this should be important to us. This is not a significant issue right now because we're a church plant and we're not large. But Lord willing, we will grow. And our desire is to be a church that proclaims the gospel faithfully for generations. And then, if that is the case, then there will be widows that arise within the context of our church and that we have to very carefully think about how do we love them well in the name of Christ. Because we are what? A church family. Then Paul goes on to talk about what a true widow is. And we see this in verse 5, and I think that the New Living Translation says this very well. Paul writes, Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for His help. So a true widow is someone who has no one else. They do not have an extended family to care for them, to protect them, to defend them, to watch over them. The church is all that this widow has. And so Paul is saying it's important that we come alongside her. That we embrace these widows. Also notice this. God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Think about what he has said to the widow. She prays night and day asking God for his help. Not only a reminder to widows, but a reminder to all of us that in our darkest night, in our greatest challenges, when it seems like we have no hope, when it seems like that perhaps God has abandoned us, when life doesn't make sense, we go to him in prayer. That He is there. That He is our God who sits on His throne, who rules over creation, who cares for His people, and who has us in the palm of His hands. True for widows. True for us. And thus we find solace and we find comfort and we find peace in going to Him in prayer and turning our heart and our life over to Him. Again, the primary responsibility in terms of caring for widows is the family. That is true today. It is how we honor our father and mother. It hearkens to Exodus 20.12, which is the fifth, fifth commandment, that it, is, that it is our calling as believers to serve our parents, to help them, to love them. Now here's the challenge. Many of us, in the course of this life, may have had family members, parents, who are not loving, who are not good, who are not kind. But yet, Paul is saying, we still have a responsibility to help them. Because in doing so, we are a witness for Jesus. We are a reminder to the watching world and to our parents, parents that may not be believers, regarding who Jesus is as the resurrected Savior. It points people 
to His grace and to His mercy that in very difficult situations, we're willing to serve. I will tell you, I know this firsthand. It has been a witness to me to watch my wife serve her father who has Alzheimer's. Yes, I understand that it is our duty as believers. I understand the fifth commandment. I hear what the Word of God has to say. But it has been a witness to my soul observing her care for Him and to others. And I know that the Lord is being glorified because of her obedience. Now, we're not perfect in our care. And I don't think that anyone is but that we should strive in the name of Christ to do what we can, as best as we can, not to the neglect of our own family. It's an important message in Paul's day, and it's an important message today. And then Paul says that for those who could care less about their family, that they are worse than an unbeliever. Startling words. But what Paul is saying is it's actually worse than not believing. It's actually worse to claim that you know the radical, unbelievable, transforming love of Christ and then act the opposite. It would be better if you were just an unbeliever. Strong words. But again, this is the Word of God. True words. That a commitment to Christ and a commitment to His Word means that we are changed people. And the result of that change is that we are willing to serve, we are willing to love, we are willing to forgive. This should be a reflection of who we are. And if we are not willing to forgive, and we are not willing to love, and if we are not willing to sacrifice, and we are not willing to to help in the name of Christ, then we're actually worse off than an unbeliever. Now verses 9 through 16. Very interesting. Paul says widows 60 and older enrolled. Enrolled in what? Medicare? Enrolled in AAA? Excuse me, AA. No, not AA. Not AAA. Brain freeze. This is the microphone. Excuse me. Special church workers is how the New Living Translation renders the verse. More than likely, a widow's ministry. Calvin says that this ministry existed to not only help widows, but that they were to help others in the church. That they had a special ministry in the church like the diaconate. And so I think that's important to understand as you read the qualifications of this widow's ministry. And it also sheds light on what Paul is talking about when widows under 60 should remarry. So he is 
specifically focusing on this ministry of widows that existed in the early church. And so why does he say this regarding younger widows? Because he is telling them that this this widow's ministry is not a good fit for you. You're going to be going in and out of homes as you serve others in the church and you're going to see families and you're going to see husbands and wives and it's going to create adversity in your heart. And I don't want you to break your vow and leave this ministry. I don't want you to break your vow to the Lord that you have agreed to serve Him Because this is not easy what these women are being called to do. So it's better if you remarry. It's better if you pursue another life. It's it's safer for your soul. So what Paul is doing through Timothy as he writes this letter is he's shepherding the congregation. I care about you. I love you. I understand the situation in your church. We know this because he's talked at length about the false teaching and what needs to be done. And and now he's talking about this special ministry for the widows and who belongs in it and why. And he is desirous of protecting these young widows, which there seems that there are plenty of them. He wants to shepherd the flock. Why? And here's an important word for us. As we have men who are going through training as elders, as we have men who will be elders in the futures, as I have been called to pastor this church, why do we want to shepherd the flock lovingly and carefully? Look at verse 15. Because Satan is at work. This is why Paul speaks into this situation. Our adversary is desirous of causing problems and issues within the life of the church. There is nothing that would please him more than to tear the church apart. So one of the things that I regularly do is I pray that the Lord would protect this church. Because there's nothing more that our adversary would like to do than to put the brakes on a new church being started and being planted in our community. Lord, protect me, protect my family, protect the people who are a part of Trinity so that we can be a witness to the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so the elders of the church, both ruling elders and teaching elders, like Paul giving advice to Timothy, we are going to be tasked to shepherd you, to give you words of advice, Words of biblical encouragement in good times and in bad. Sometimes that will be very helpful. Sometimes they will be very difficult. But this is what the Lord is calling us to do. And we see it at work in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, we zoomed in, let's zoom out. A lot of Guidance regarding widows. What's the big takeaway for us? How do we understand this in the year 2023? And I think there are very briefly three things. Very briefly. Number one, 
A church family should graciously love. A church family should graciously love. Paul is telling Timothy that you should care for these widows, that the church should care for these widows, that you should love them well. So the bigger message for us is that we should love each other graciously. Why? 1 John 4, 19-21 We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Excuse me, that's the, NI, the ESV translates that very literally and it does not read well. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love God. His brother. Why do we love? Why do we graciously love one another? Why do we graciously love the widows that are in our midst and that will be in our midst in the future? Why do we love the children of this church? Why do we love those within our church family that sometimes can be difficult? Because Jesus loved us first. And He gave His life for us. He poured out His grace upon us. And so we have a higher standard. We do. That we are called to embrace each other because, think about this, we will dwell with one another forever. For all eternity. Number two, a church family should wholeheartedly give. We should graciously love. We should wholeheartedly give. It was a sacrifice for the early church to care for all these widows. And as you can see in the text, and as you look at the book, if you look at the book of Acts, they're thinking through how they can do this with limited finances. You see the early church taking up an offering for the saints in Jerusalem who are suffering. These were people who were wholeheartedly committed to giving to others. They took in orphans when no one wanted these children. And so when we look at the text and we think about what Paul is saying to Timothy regarding caring for widows, it reminds us that we give back because we have been given everything. Sacrificial wholehearted giving of our time, of what the Lord has given us in terms of resources. It is walking through the doors of Trinity and thinking to yourself every Lord's Day, not only how can I love this person well in the name of Christ, but how can I give to this church? It's not about what the church can do for you. It is about what you can do for the church. A church family should wholeheartedly give because we understand the heart of Christ and what He has given. And then finally, a church family should faithfully and continually worship. Yes, every Lord's Day we come to this place and we worship God. 
And that is primary for the church. There is nothing more important than we can do that we can do than to give him the glory that he rightly deserves. But understand that in serving each other, in helping one another, in sacrificing, in giving, you are worshiping the risen Savior. And lending a hand to Trinity and lending a hand to your brothers and sisters. Your actions, your service, your deeds bring Him honor. It is a way for us collectively as a church family to worship Him faithfully and continually. And that's what we see in this passage. Love these widows. Care for these widows. Be faithful to these widows and understand that in doing this, you are bringing glory to the name of Christ and you are honoring God. You are lifting high the cross of Jesus Christ. May that be said of Trinity now and for generations to come. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, the one who cares for widows and orphans, the one who sent His Son to give His life for His people, the one who is ultimately gracious and merciful, we thank You for all that You have done for us. We pray that You would continue to protect this church plant. God, I pray that You would protect the families and individuals that make up this church. Lord, I pray that you would protect the children of this church, that they would never wander away from you, that they would always know you and always trust in you. Father, be with us as we seek to worship you in song and in word and in deed. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.